all right? I enjoy preaching, and today is uh, a message God gave me, and it's um, a different one than I've ever had before. But the title of today's message is The First and Last Remembered. I want you to remember The First and Last Remembered. And how did I come up with this sermon as I went online and I just began to search what was the first person to die in each war? And I got the answer and God began to lay it on my heart to preach the message first and last remembered. We're not going to list all the, the conflicts of America, but I want to share with you starting off with the Revolutionary War. The first one to die was Isaac Davis, April 19, 1775, a gunsmith from Action, Massachusetts. Davis served as a Minuteman with his local company, and during the Battle of Concord, his company was selected to advance first on the British. When asked if his company was afraid, Davis is recorded as having replied, No, I am not, and I haven't a man that is. And as they advanced, David was shot through the heart. He is remembered by a statue in Action Township today. The Civil War, first one to die, was Elmer E. Ellsworth, May 24, 1861. A Union officer, Ellsworth, was the law clerk under Abraham Lincoln and the, an Army soldier. Just prior to the Civil War, he began recruiting for the 11th New York Volunteer Regiment. The day after Virginia voters ratified the state's Constitution decision to succeed from the Union, Ellsworth and his troops entered Alexander, Virginia, to assist in the occupation of the city. There, while taking down a Confederate flag, he was shot point-blank by the innkeeper, James Jackson, a defender of slavery. Noting his close relationship with the Lincolns, Ellsworth's body was brought back to the White House and his casket sat in the East Room. The funeral was attended by Abraham Lincoln and his wife. World War I, the first to die, was Joseph William Guyton, May 24, 1918. Guyton joined the Army as part of of the 126th Infantry Regiment and was attached to the 32nd Infantry Division, which was stationed in German-held area of France. There he was served as an automatic gunner, firing off rounds on posts near the line of resistance. The enemy shot a barrage of machine gun fire into the line where Guyton was struck and killed instantly. President Warren G. Harding placed the presidential wreath on his coffin, and the funeral ceremony was attended by, um, well, ceremony for more than 5,000 fallen soldiers. So it was a mass funeral, but he had the wreath put upon his, on his uh, tomb by the president. World War II, the first to die, was Robert M. Lucy, May April 21st, 1940, a captain in the Navy. Lucy was serving as an air attached in Finland to aid Florence Harriman, then ambassador to Norway. He went to assist in the evacuation of the American staff and descendants from the embassy Old Oslo. She 
wanted to be the one to go to. But he refused saying, I certainly don't want to be killed, but your death would be more serious as if it might involve our country in all kinds of trouble where with a military attachment. Along the way, Lucy and his chauffeur were traveling on strategic railroad called Domkus A. Lufwat was targeted. Lucy and the chauffeur sought refuge in the railroad tunnel. Unfortunately, bomb fragments fell near the entrance and the fragment pierced Lucy's heart. First to die in the Korean War was Kenneth Shadrick, July 5th, 1950. A 17-year-old man who joined the army. I'm going to cut back a little bit on the history of these guys, but it's awesome to read their history. Um, Operation Iraqi Freedom in Afghanistan. First to die was Johnny Michael Mike Spann, November 25th, 2001. Now we're getting closer to our modern day. After serving in the Marine Corps as a captain, Spann worked as a member of the CIA, Special Activities Division. He was detached to Afghanistan soon after 9-11 of 2001 to find Osama bin Laden. And there he died. And in Operation Iraqi Freedom, the first to die was Terrell Shan Childers. Childers served as a second lieutenant marine assigned to the 1st Battalion, 5th Marine Regiment, 1st Marine Division. One of the first cleared units to Iraq after the battalion was secured in a pumping station at Romana Oil Fields, 20 miles north of the border of Kuwait. Iraqi soldiers unloaded their, their pickup truck in a drive-by, Childers was shot once in the stomach. The injury became fatal when he, his emotions to fire at those in the truck. He lifted up his body armor, leaving him exposed, and he assigned the rank of first lieutenant. And it's how he died. And these were men that died first during the wars of protecting America. But I want to bring it a little bit closer home. Pleasant Hill had a first to die also. James L. Carpenter from Pleasant Hill, Missouri, died. Do you have his picture to put up there today? This is James L. Carpenter, one of the residents here from Pleasant Hill. He was before Roger. Roger didn't know this guy. But he died. I don't think so, Roger. It was 1918. Okay, 1918, James L. Carpenter was the first known resident of Pleasant Hill to sacrifice his life for America. Now, I know you're used to me starting off in the Word and getting ready and getting uh, preaching, but I want to share with you that for each conflict there is in America, there's always the first one to sacrifice their life. I served in the military in the Arkansas National Guard and the Kansas National Guard. I sacrificed a little. Roger has served um, Vietnam and also Iraqi freedom. He sacrificed more in the Gulf War. But there are those that I read today that made the ultimate sacrifice. Um, Roger and I are with you today because someone else sacrificed their lives. It could have easily been rock, uh, Roger going to the Gulf War, but God has spared his life. And God has spared my life, but I didn't have to go. But I was willing to serve. My sacrifice was small. But these men and these women have sacrificed everything 
and their families have sacrificed, knowing that it could happen when they enlisted to serve in the military. Well, I want to just share with you a story before we even get into the text, and maybe you just want to remember this. There was a, a, a man who, who ran through the jungles to uh, rescue uh, another man that was under attack, and, and he carried him all the way to the shore of a lake in Vietnam. And when, when he got there, there was officer several that he had rescued. And, and while he was in his arms, he said to him, he said, Forrest, Forrest, why did this happen? And Forrest answered back and said, You got shot, Bubba. (laughs) And Bubba answered, I want to go home. (laughs) Now I know that was all a fake story right there. And I wanted to get lighten things up a little bit. But there is meaning that is lost in this day. And I'm believing that it is coming back the meaning of what this day is. In small towns across America, there is a still meaning. Tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., everyone is invited to go to the cemetery here in Pleasant Hill as we honor America. It has lost its, its, its day because some people believe it's time to fire up the barbecue pits and go to the lake, and all that is fine. And if you have children and you do that, do it. That's great. But make sure your children understand the sacrifice of what this is about. Um, I remember being in the South, like Alabama, back in the 1970s. And down there on Memorial Day, you can see on Memorial Day, it uh, the attendance does drop a little bit on Memorial Day. But on Memorial Day, back in the 70s, you might as well have canceled church on Sunday morning. And it wasn't about honoring totally our troops. It was the whole church went to the picnic ground, to the, to the cemeteries, and everybody was getting flowers put in their graves. This is the second Memorial Day that I've had without my mom. And I can remember her, and I can say I'll have a memorial for my mom. And even though I miss her, today is not for her because she never sacrificed her life like the ones that I'm sharing with you and the ones I'm preaching. This is a day to honor all nearly one, it's one million getting close to 400,000 people who have died for our nation. In Luke chapter 23, verse 46, And when Jesus cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. This day is to remember the last. It's to remember the first. Jesus breathed his last and tomorrow our celebration is probably going to be some hot dogs on the grill and mowing the lawn for us. But it's going to be, that's because it's been raining so much, we got to get it while we got to get it done, all right? But it's a day we're going to remember, and I do have plans, at least 95% chance that I'm going to be here in Pleasant Hill honoring those who have lost their lives. Not just lost, they have given their lives. What greater love than this has no man that he will lay down his life for a friend. A million three hundred and sixty some thousand have done that so far. But I'm talking also about Jesus this morning. 
because he laid down his life for his friends. He was the first to do it. No one else had ever let down their life and sacrificed for a world without sin, to have, uh, that our sins could be forgiven. Jesus was the first. Before him, it was the sacrifices of goats and rams and lambs that would not, it was just a temporary fix, a, a covering to hold back the judgment of God. But there came one, and his name was Jesus, and he was the first to ever do it. He went to the cross, and he had himself nailed to the cross, and a spear in his side, and a crown of thorns was beaten on the back and slapped, and his beard was plucked from his, he was there, and he said on the cross, into my your hands father i commit my spirit and when he did that the bible says that he breathed his last he was the first to do it in the warfare for the souls of men and women boys and girls though we might forget to take it for granted perhaps uh, we can treat this day too lightly but the sacrifices these men and women have fallen and they have purchased our freedom today and they have provided us many things by their sacrifice and Jesus has provided us many things but today I want to bring three things out that those have sacrificed on veterans or not veterans baby memorial memorial day have sacrificed first one is liberty they have given us security and they have given us peace liberty means this it is freedom from control of bondage and without that we would have bondage we would not have liberty when i served i before i i could even go to basic training when i signed and then I took the oath of office, and it was in Salem Springs, Arkansas, in the National Guard unit. And I went in there, and it was nothing fancy. There was some sergeants that was working there. And, and uh, when I took the oath of office, I lifted my hand, and I began to repeat an oath of office. I cannot remember it, but it was, to def- it was something like, I will uh, defend the Constitution of the United States. I will protect it from enemies, both foreign and domestic. So help me God. And that's what I did. And at that time, I made an oath that I was going to protect the, uh, our nation completely, both for enemies, foreign and domestic. That means I don't want you in here. I don't want you coming against the people I love. I'm willing to sacrifice and lay down my life for it. I loved what I did in the military. And if I could go back and have a family day, I would take my family and do it again. But they retired the guns that I used to shoot on. And that's just too bad. In Luke chapter 4, verse number 8, as we talk about the freedom, uh, the the uh, liberty is freedom from bondage. Can you think about the bondage when I, that you could have without the Constitution? The Constitution is what holds our nation together. The Constitution keeps us from being in bondage. If you look around what is happening around the world today, there are nations that do not have the freedom we have because they don't have the Constitution that we have. And there are many in our nation that wants to do away from the Constitution. And I will go as far to tell you this, and this is a truth. We have elected officials serving in our nation's capital, in our House and our Senate, that are 
acting contrary to the Constitution, who want to abolish the Constitution and completely do away with it. If that happens, what would happen is the government would begin to control your life more than they control your life today. And I know we have some regulations that keep us from having as much freedom as, as our forefathers had. But you, could you imagine with regulations and no constitution what America would be like? But it's because of our men and women who took the oath of office to defend the constitution of the, of the United States and to protect you. It's why we have liberty and we don't have to suffer in the bondages. And that verse I was telling, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself here, Luke chapter uh, 4 verse 18. Let's read what it says about liberty and it's about what Jesus said he would do for us. There it is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captivities and recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed oppression. If you pay attention to what's happening in Venezuela, what is happening down there? Oppression. Their military has been ordered to fire upon the citizens of that nation. There is videos that have come out where they have taken their armored vehicles and they have run over the citizens of that nation. And why? Because their soldiers, their military men are serving a government that does not have a constitution that we have. And they are not sworn to protect their nation. Our men and women who put on the uniform do everything they can to protect you from anything like this happening. And having a government overrule you to come against you. Thank God for these that serve. Jesus served us. And I can't preach every word that's in that verse. I just want to focus upon the word liberty. He has come to set us free from the bondages of sin and set us free from the bondages of the law. The law came around and the law was good. The law was great. The law was fine. You can find this study in in, uh, Romans chapter 7. But the law um, made it made it known that you were in sin. Mm-hmm. See, some people say, well, I, I don't, I, the law is, is, is passed. I, I don't need any more Jesus. He came to fulfill the law to set us free from the bondages of that, that law because the law meant you were bound to go to hell, but Jesus gave us liberty. Law exposes your wrongdoings. If you have a tumor, if you have cancer and you don't know you have it you go to the hospital and you have yourself examined right um somebody's going to help me i just went blank on it what do you call the machine you go into and okay there you go to the mri you go in the MRI and, and you in that, that tunnel right there and you come out and then they tell you well you've had something wrong with you If I hadn't have done that MRI, I would have been fine. No, you would have still been sick. The MRI just exposed your sickness. That's what the law did. It exposed your sin. But Jesus came along 
to give you liberty from that sin. Our men and women in uniform have given us liberty, but Jesus has given us greater liberty. We're not have to worry about suffering in the bondages of sin. America, America, God shed his grace on thee. Of the many things that death of our soldiers provide us, liberty is by far one of the greatest in our country. And we enjoy many freedoms to protect. We get to speak out against our leaders. Uh, You can't do that in other nations. There are some in Washington that's wanting to put an end to that where you, you can't speak out against our president about our officials. They want to do away with it. They want to do, they don't have a problem with it right now. They don't mind you speaking out against our president right now. But there are some that if there becomes another president, they don't want you talking against them. That liberty gives you that, that freedom to do so. You have a freedom of speech according to the First Amendment. And you know what else we have? We have a Second Amendment to protect that First Amendment. Woohoo! All liberties come from great sacrifice. Liberties. We have liberty this morning to come in this place and worship Him. There is also security. In John chapter 10, verse 25, it says, My Father, who, is given, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. In the old King James, it uses the word pluck. No one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. The word pluck means to seize or carry off by force. I am am most often reminded of this when I watch the news. That there are nations today where they are carried off. There are nations today in the Muslim countries, and this does not hardly make the news at all. It was tragic when 40 or 50 people died in Christ's church as they were Muslim worshipers, as they were shot and murdered. And it, the news of that went around the world, did it not? During the same time, there was over 130 Christians slaughtered in Africa in Muslim nations. Where was the media? They were not there because there was no security to protect the lives of those believers. Because of our men and women who have sacrificed, we have safety today and security that I can stand here today and say, I hate the devil and I love Jesus and I thank him for saving my soul and giving me security in his hands. Our nation... Sometimes we forget about what the tragedy of war is like. And we have had uh, some wars we have fought in the Eastern or in the European nations. We fought in the Pacific. We've been to Vietnam. Uh, it, it, back in the 1700s, there, it, it was um, 
Montezuma, you know, the shores of Tripoli, the Marines went there, all these wars. But I'm going to tell you what, what your thoughts would be different if you looked out on your streets and you seen the enemy tanks going up down the street. Would your would your view of what these men and women have sacrificed be different today? Yes, it would. We have security. We are safe today because of that. You say, are we totally safe? I know there's crime and things like that happening, but there's no tyranny happening in our nation today because of men and women in our uniform. But also this, remind you of this, that God has given us protection, that we are safe in the hands of Jesus. We are protected today because Jesus was the first to die in the war for the souls of men and women. The third thing that we receive and we think about Memorial Day, and that is peace. John 14, 27, Jesus says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, but I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace means this, a state of national tranquility, exemption from the rage of and havoc war. We in America are exempt from that. I have not been around the world to see these things. Roger has. Roger has been in places where you, you, you could see there was no peace in the nation. No peace in the nation because um, the, the nation did not have the protection of constitutional rights and a military force that was just at the answer of, of a dictator. But the peace we have today is a peace because somebody has died for us and became the first into each war to give us peace so that we would not have anybody dominating over us. And you're fearful at night because if you go to bed and someone says, well, they need to be locked up as an example, and all of a sudden you burst in the door. You see, some the, the police officers cannot come bursting into your home because we have peace. Now, if they come to your house and they knock on the door, they have to go get a, a signed order from a judge that gives them access to come into your home. And other places that does not, does not have people who have sacrificed their life, they don't have to have that. They can just come in and murder you, take you off the jail if they choose by so ordered. But we have peace. We have peace because they sacrifice. You know what? We also have peace. Not only because of that, but we have peace because of the first one who went to the war. And you know, when, when things are going bad in your life and things don't seem to go right and, and you're losing your job and, and an income's not coming up or there's sickness that has come in your house, uh, the, there's, uh, there's some tragedy, they have received news in your family. But if you know the, the love of Jesus Christ, Christ and you know what he's done for you, you can have peace in God as he speaks to your heart. You know, oh, I've been hurt. I've been injured. I don't have no money, but I have confidence. I have peace. I don't have anything to worry about because there has been one. The first one to die was Jesus Christ who has brought peace to you. Years ago, and I'm not going to go into the complete store, but years ago I was going for a 
a mystery ride with somebody that was tweaking. He was on meth and something was really, um, it was, it was, if you didn't have the peace of God, you would have been in a mess that night. But all that night of that time I was with this man and we was driving or I was driving and he was telling me where to go. And, and, uh, he had control of, well, he took my phone and had it shut off. So now I couldn't be uh, traced. And, but there was a peace in my heart and I prayed with him. And as he began to come off that high and, and we got to a place where he felt safe, he, he apologized to me. So I'm sorry for that as he began to come off. But the thing is all that time I felt the peace of God. I could not have done that if I had never surrendered my life to God. With liberty and security comes great peace. And we are a nation so at peace. And it's obvious that there's no terrorism and people being terrorized in our nation like I see around the world. We have a great nation and wonderful people who have done this sacrificing for us. And we have a Savior who sacrificed. So when you tuck your kids into bed tonight, you tell them a story. Tonight, tell them a story about the soldiers, the Marines, the Air Force, the Navy. Tell them about the Coast Guard. Tell them about the ones that protected them. Let them know that the reason why they're being in a bed sleeping in peace tonight is because someone was the first to die. And when you see, listen, kids, when you see a, a soldier, run up to him and tell him, thank you. See, Roger this morning is in uniform. It reminds you to say, thank you, Roger. Thank those, and, and, and he's, he's currently not serving. Find somebody that's currently serving and thank them. I know I, it was a few years back I, I w- was coming back from the airport, and we was north of the river, and, and Robin was ready to eat at her favorite restaurant, which is Cracker Barrel. And uh, we got in the Cracker Barrel, and, and I went and sat down, and um, there was a soldier that was eating by himself and it was not a poor soldier because he had, he's, he was a captain rank and he was a chaplain but he was there and I just <clears throat> spirit of God says buy his dinner and I I just got up without saying anything and went over to the restaurant and said I'm buying this, this, this soldier's dinner and then I went over and thanked him for his service and let him know it's already taken care of he could have done it easily I mean, he was a captain. Captains have good salaries. I've looked it up. But it was my way of saying thank you for serving. And uh, you might be saying, well, that guy's a major. uh, He's a colonel. Uh, If God puts it upon your heart, go and buy their dinner. Do it. It's not because they're poor. It's because you're showing how much you appreciate the sacrifice they're willing to do. The first to die was a list of these men that I gave you. And they're the first to die for our liberty, security, and peace. And every 
conflict that America has had, there's always been someone who died first. And Jesus was the first to die. No one has ever done it. The first to die for sins. But if there's a first to die, there's always the last to die. We don't know who died the last in the Revolutionary War, but in World War II, I mean, not World War II, but the Civil War, the last to die was John J. Williams, May 13, 1865. World War I, the last to die was Henry Gunther, November 11, 1918. In WW2, the last to die was Anthony J. Mar, okay, uh, Marcioni. There we go. I got it. Marcioni, August eighteenth, nineteen forty-five. In the Vietnam War, the last to die was Charles McMahon, McMahon and uh, Darwin Judge. They both died at the same time, um, April twenty-ninth, nineteen seventy-five. Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. Wyatt M. Martin and Ramon S. Morris, December 12, 2014. Operation Iraqi Freedom, David Hickman, November 14, 2011. Every one of these were the last to die. In every war, there's a first to die and there's a last to die. In the book of Daniel, it tells us that he is the ancient of days. That is Jesus means he's been around for eternity. There is no beginning and there is no end. But as I looked in the scripture, I began to see something different that I'd never seen before. In Revelations chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus is talking to John the Revelator, and he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And I begin to look at that differently than I ever had been for my whole life. Because I've always looked at it as he is continuing and he's always begin and he is the ancient of days. But how can he be the first and last without a timeline? And there I begin to see the revelation that God began to speak into my heart. Jesus was the first to die for the world lost in sin. But thank, thank God he's also the last to die. Somebody ought to be getting a chill running up your spine right now to think about that Jesus says, I am the first and the last. I am the first one to die in the war for the souls, but I am the last one to die for the war of the souls. Jesus is the one to do that. No one did it before him. No one did it after him. He is the only one. He took both places in all the conflicts of American history. There was one, and then there was a span of time, and then there was the last one, but the span of time with Jesus being the first and last wasn't the same day, the same time when he said, Father, I commit my hand and do your, I commit my spirit into your hands. And it says, and he breathed his last. He was the last. He was the first. He died on the war to give us He gave us liberty, he gave us security, and he has given us peace because Jesus is the first to die. And being the first to die. In Matthew 26, 26 through 29. And as they were eating, 
Jesus took the bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink of it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And the next day, he died. In 1 Corinthians, Jesus says this, As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And today, we remember our men and women who chose to die. Pat Tillman was not the first to die in Iraqi, not Iraqi, uh, it was um, Afghanistan. But if you remember who Pat Tillman was, Pat Tillman was a defensive football player who played professional football for the Arizona Cardinals. I believe he had a salary of about $2 million a year. I can just imagine how he goes to the head coach, because I don't have the story on this, but I can imagine it, because I have a good imagination. Goes knocking on head coach's door. Come in, Pat. Wow, I believe we're going to have a great season coming up. Well, I do too, coach. But that's what I want to talk to you about. I'm going to quit playing football. What are you going to do? I'm going to enlist in the military and I'm going to fight for our nation. If you see Pat Tillman, pictures of when he played football, he had hair down about here, was hanging out of his helmet. Nice looking young man. And then you see him in a short haircut as he became an army ranger and went to Afghanistan. And Pat Tillman never came back home. That is love for a country. There are men who have served in the military, like the Army or Navy, and they played football, and they went and served their time, and then came back and played professional football. The Pittsburgh Steelers have one, but Pat Tillman said, nope, I'm going there. Remember men like him. But remember today, most of all, Jesus When he said, as oft as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And today, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus did. As we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper.